Um, but great to be here together. Yeah, lovely to be in the city. I hear only good things about this place, just all the life and excitement of what's going on here. So wonderful we can be together. Just a quick intro of my family. I want to pop a photo up on the screen. Um, that's us. Yeah, there's my wife and Christopher, who's very fortunately sleeping at this stage. It doesn't, doesn't happen often. Um, and Zach's at home, just chilling, watching some sports, just taking a... Just having a relaxed Sunday afternoon, like most of us would like to. Um, but it's really great to be here. But my wife and I, um, we lived in Pretoria and Joburg for many years. But some people immigrate. We, we semigrated to Langebaan. So not, not, not quite the big move, kind of half, halfway there. Um, I took up a job at a, at a fish factory in Langebaan. Still work for the same company. Um, just out of interest, how many fish fingers do you think we produce in a year? Just, just ballpark. How many fish fingers? Those little fish fingers. 10 million? That's very nice, Nathan. Very nice. Gets close. Can add a zero there. So we do 100 million fish fingers a year. Um, if you were to line those up head to toe, you would get from here to Cairo and about halfway back down again. That's, that's a year's worth of fish fingers. So I met somebody um, before the service that enjoyed their fish fingers. Um, but if you, if you want rejects or those little, the bent ones or the ones without, um, without all the bread and crumb on, just chat to me. We can organize. They're pretty cheap. But they're same nutritional value, but we can, we can sort you out. Um, but really great to be with you tonight. We're doing kind of in that in-between phase of uh, Gabe wrapped up the series of Heaven, Hell, and Hope, and we're doing an awesome series next week on, on the Gospel of John. So really, we just want to encourage you, let's get stuck in. we on the final home stretch towards the end of the year, and I think God wants to do something amazing with us um, in that time. So we're going to spend some time in the book of Ephesians. Um, for those of you just to orientate yourself, it's in the New Testament. Um, it's after Jesus has been resurrected, and basically it's a church quite similar to this in terms of people getting together regularly, trying to figure out what does life look like post-Jesus being raised from the dead? What should it look like? What should we be like as a community? What should we do? What shouldn't we do? And Paul writes to this church. He Basically, he's in prison at the time. So because of his faith and proclaiming Jesus, he's been put in prison. And he writes this letter to the church in Ephesus, sends a runner. This guy basically took the hard copy. They still had hard copies in those days, no emails or anything. Took the hard copy, got into a service like this, and they would have read the letter all six chapters. There weren't chapters in those days, just a, a dear and a thank you at the end. And you would have read it through, and they probably would have read it through over and over again to try and digest what Paul was saying to them, how to apply that in their life. And that's what we're going to do tonight. We're not going to read the whole thing, um, but we're going to read parts of it. And really, I think there's a powerful message for us as a church, as life changes, as life changes city. And I hope we're able to take it in, to accept it, and to, and to move forward from what God wants to, to teach us tonight. So I'm going to read a passage of scripture. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to, we're going to jump right in. So you're welcome to follow on the screen behind me, or if you if anybody carries a Bible around still, there we go, Shelly, if he's lost us. But, um, so if you have your hard copy with you, otherwise follow on the screen. So chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But fornication and impurity of any kind or greed must not even be mentioned among you, as is proper among the saints. Entirely out of places, obscene, silly, and vulgar talk, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Be sure of this, that no fornicator or impure person or anyone who is greedy, that is, not, that is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes to those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be associated with them. 
For once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what such people do secretly, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Sleeper awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we look to you tonight. I pray you'd open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts. I pray this word would come deep within us and change us in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. So the book of Ephesians, if you've got some time, definitely go and, go and have a look through it. But basically, Paul's address to the, to the church in Ephesus is split in two halves. In the first three chapters, he's really addressing two very distinct groups of people. He's addressing the Jews, which were God's chosen people, and they clearly saw themselves as God's chosen people. And then the, the Gentiles, which actually that root word means non-Jew, essentially. And the Jewish people, they were, they were a cultured bunch. Um, they would have been telling stories about this Messiah coming for many years. They would have celebrated getting released from captivity out of Egypt. They would have read and known the Old Testament through and through and through. And there was a lot of expectation around Jesus coming and dying and being raised from the dead. And now this has happened. So it's like the biggest party they'd ever seen. And Jesus was their savior. He was them. He was there for them. And this was a, it was the lights had come on, and they were really moving forward. But then there were this other crowd, which is basically it's all of us, but to be honest. It's the Gentiles. It's the, non, the non-Jewish people that's part of that community. I'm sure they were, were referred to as the riffraff of society. They were that, those unruly, unruly bunch. They didn't have a God. They didn't have a moral compass. They really, they kind of followed whatever what was going on on the day. They would they would just go, go with it. And they write a little bit in the book of Ephesians about what was going on there. It was pretty horrible stuff. And there's this tension within that church to say, I've been doing my faith for a long time. I, I've been following the law for a very long time. And I, therefore, should have special treatment in God's family. And somebody else saying, look, I've, I've been living a horrible life. I haven't been doing anything of that. Am I equal in God's family? And Paul, very expertly done and very clearly, squashes those things. The issue around disqualification into God's family is completely, completely nullified. To say we are all children in God's family, and we are all on the same level. There's no levels in our salvation. We are all accepted. If you've been a Christian a long time, if you've, if you've done things faithfully, you're an equal part to somebody who gives their life to the Lord tonight and, and accepts Jesus as their Savior. There's this issue on disqualification. It reminds me of a story. Um, I went to the same high school as Nathan, so you'll be able to, to, um, to testify the, the brutality of my, my high school experience. Um, but I, I came from a Christian um, primary school, and it was, it was a very protected environment, let's call it that, as, as some Christian schools are. Not all Christian schools, just some are. Um, and I left there, went to a government boys' school with 1,600 boys, and, and 
it's the, the biggest, the fattest cat wins in those schools. Uh, there were 350 Form 1s or Grade 8s or Standard 6s, whatever you call it these days, of which I knew two, and those were the Christian guys from that school, which I didn't like very much, and I knew, I knew we, this isn't going anywhere, you know, we're not going to be friends for a long time. Um, and there were these kids, these kids, they, they used to sit at the wall. They would be known as true stories, as how it goes, and they were the cool kids. Um, they really were, um, and they were the badasses, if I can say that in this, but you know what I mean, those guys, it's just, it's all over the show, and there's parties every Friday night, and I, and I, was, I was just, in all honesty, just looking for a place to sit at break, I, I didn't know anybody, I was just trying to, I had a middle path, you know, <laughs> grade eight, it was, it was a long, long time ago, um, and I kind of, I tried to work, work my way in there, you know, try to, they all knew each other from previous schools, there was a strong click there, and I remember after one break, um, the guy's name is Andrea Casillo, but he might, he might watch this and get saved, who knows, but he, he, called a, he called a little meeting at the end of the, he, at the end of the break, and he said, Scott, from tomorrow, you're disqualified from this group, you're out. A true, true story. I remember, I remember where I was standing. I remember he, he was standing. He was even standing like on a little wall, you know, like shouting down the... He was also... He was just in grade eight like I was, but he was, he was the main man there, and he could make the call. And from that day, I wasn't welcome at the wall anymore. So I sat there with, alone with my box juice and my cucumber sandwiches. So we, we were... Our parents were, were pastors, so we didn't have money for salami. So I literally got cucumber sandwiches every day. It was so rough. It was so rough. Like, to go to the... To go to the tuck shop was like highlight day for me to go and get a pizza. Um, but I would, for a good, a good while, I had nowhere to go at break. I'd know it to, I'd, I mean, I'm thinking about my little kids now. That's heartbreaking, you know. Just, there we go. Anyway, I, I moved from the wall to the lockers, um, and that was a great experience for me. I, I really, I had a, I, I really, I really had a good, I really had a good high school experience. I'm not, I, I found my, I found my groove around form two, and I was, I was well on my way. Um, but that, that experience for me, and thinking back on that time of being disqualified, and nothing I could have done could have got me accepted into that community. Nothing that I could have tried to prove to them or try to show my worth or whatever. I, the, the, the big man there had said, I'm out, and that was it. And these, this is what the Gentiles are dealing with, is that they are themselves feeling disqualified from this community. And Paul squashes that completely to say, you're all a part of God's family. And this brings up to, to the key point of these first three chapters, which is the, the issue of adoption. And just if we bring that up, that slide up, just what adoption means, um, I'll just read it. It says, the action or fact of legally taking another's child and bringing it up as your own. And just we need to let that settle within, our, within us, is that we are all adopted into God's family. Jesus is God's son, and we are all the adopted kids. I don't know how many of, how many of you have seen um, Instant Family. Have you heard Mark, Mark Wahlberg? Um, if you haven't, I would, I would recommend it. This, this couple are looking to, looking to adopt, a, adopt a, a child, and basically they don't get one, they get three. So they, have, they go from zero to having three of these kids in their house, and it, you can just imagine it's, it's chaos. It's absolute chaos. These three kids come from, they've been bouncing around foster care homes, um, the biological mom is on the scene, so she's in and out of drug rehab, all these promises broken down, and now these, this couple gets in these three kids, and it's just, it's just carnage. Um, but as the movie goes on, and I, spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you how it ends, but it's actually, it's not so much about, the story isn't as much about the parents as it is about the kids. It's actually a story about how the kids slowly begin to realize that these parents love us, 
and these parents really do care for us, and these parents aren't going anywhere, and as they settle that, something deep within them settles, and that's kind of, that's where it ends, is they suddenly have this realization that, that these, this couple that adopted us, they really do care for us, and that's actually Actually, the story of the gospel in, in this book of Ephesians is, is settling that God is our Father, and we are part of His family. When we settle that, a big part of who we are settles in a deep, deep place. Um, my wife and I have been married for a number of years, but I, for those of you that are still fresh in the dating scene, I can see there's some, some glowing eyes here. Um, but, but if when we... Um, see a little, little touch on the leg there. Um, but... <laughs> But um, when I was busy kind of making my moves with Amy, um, I, got invited, I got invited to a braai at, at her parents' house, the first braai, you know? I was there in my nice green jersey, collared shirt, you know, the strong handshake, Mr. Cudmore, Mrs. Cudmore, it's Amy's maiden name. Um, you know, putting on my best foot forward, just being, you know, being that guy, you know? I'm, I'm the responsible guy that's going to take care of Amy. And then there was this other character in the house, um, an older guy who had married Amy's older sister, a guy named Mark, and he was... He was a hooligan. He would basically, basically walk around in the house in his underwear, literally. I mean, he would walk into that, he would open that fridge, he would dominate whatever's in that fridge. Like, there was no, there was nothing. He, Chris and Anne, that's how he rolled, you know? There's no auntie or uncle or Mr. and Mrs. I was just, I, I felt, literally, I felt a bit offended. I mean, at one point, he would go and shower in their, like, the, there's a, kind of their house is a long passage, the parents' house is at the end. In the morning, while Amy's parents were still sleeping, he would go and shower in their shower just because Amy's mom had the best shampoo. So he would go and use her shampoo in the mornings. And there I am, like all prim and proper, trying to not to offend anybody. But the funny thing is, and those of us who have been married longer than six months um, would realize that, that things start to settle down. As, as you begin to realize hey, these people actually love me and care for me, then you started, and I, I basically watched sport in my underwear there and, you know, just chill at Amy's house. It's, it's a great place. I, I joke, I actually often prefer going to Amy's house than my parents' house because I can just relax there, you know, nothing's expected of me. I can just, just chill. But that's, that's what happens. We, we, get, we get this realization that actually we're adopted in somebody's life. And Amy's parents really do love me as their own son, and they're not going anywhere, they're not judging me, they're not trying to figure me out still. There's something that's settled there, and in that settling, things start to relax. I start to relax, I start to behave more like myself, and I think that's what, that's what we've been called to. So that's really Ephesians 1 to 3, it's, it's these nice, clean, clean breaks. Um, Paul is just imploring that we are all part of God's family, and then chapter 4 starts, and I want to put something up on the screen quickly. Um, just a symbol. I don't know if, can anybody tell me what that means? Think back to maths, high school. Hey? Therefore, well done, well done. Mullerton took a lot longer this morning to get it. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's shorthand for therefore. If you're, making, if you're making notes about maths or whatever it is, I don't know, Gabe's still, still got a blank stare on his face, yeah. Um, but that's, that's really, so it goes chapter 1 to 3, you're all part of God's family, Jew, Gentile, we're all one in God's family. And then, therefore, do, 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 this like settling down to say, therefore, therefore, therefore. And that's the whole crux of Ephesians, is we can't stay there. 
We can't, we can't stay in we are comfortable and we're living this comfortable life in God's family. Therefore, and he goes on to write beautifully, that live as children of light. And that's what really he had to preach about this morning, that we would live as children of light. Ephesians 5 verse 8 it says, For once you were in darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Or live as children of light. And just to break to break that up quickly about what does it mean to live as a child of light. I mean, first of all, to live. I mean, many translations talk about walking there, to walk as children of light. It's just, I, I like that. I like that analogy, to walk with the Lord. That we don't, sometimes we can get in this, in this almost this cycle of, of Christian life. You know, we kind of get pumped up for a Sunday and then Monday comes and we're at rock bottom again and then kind of crawl our way to Tuesday life group if we decide to go or if not and then kind of limp our way through and then have a great weekend with friends and then back to Sunday we need to confess everything that happened on the weekend or whatever and, and we kind of, that's the cycle of our life and I, I think the reality and what Paul is encouraging us here is that we need to walk a life and live a life together with Jesus and with Lord. And then as children, it's so interesting here, um, if you just look at other, other writings or other New Testament books, Paul often writes about imitation. He writes about um, us imitating sometimes himself. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He also talks, often talks about imitating Christ. But in this, in this um, book, and uniquely so, he talks about imitating God. It says, imitate God. Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in life. And just what I've realized, having two little champions, um, Christopher's still finding his feet, but um, Zach, he imitates me. He imitates me. Suddenly I realized there's this kid walking on the beach with his hands in his pockets, you know. I'm like, where did you learn that guy? Um, I mean, he, I, I got home from the beach. I'm washing my feet outside. He just he gets there. He wants to host by two, you know. He wants to wash his feet because that's what dad's doing. He's not asking why. He's not trying to figure it out. He's not trying to, trying to sort of assess my motive or is this right for him or wrong for him. He just sees dad do it. If I had a knife, I'd just start jumping. He would just jump too. That's just, just what he would do. Um, and I think it's such a beautiful picture of what it means to be in God's family, that we live as children of light and we imitate God in what we do. We look to Him in, in, in what we, how we live, how we express our faith, all of those important things that we need to imitate God in all that we do. And then finally, live as children of light. And that last bit is so interesting to me also. It doesn't say um, live in the light or take the light with you. It talks about living as children of light. And I just, it's, a, it's encouragement to me that I think sometimes we get into this, um, we get into thinking that we need to almost step into the light or take the light with us. I'm, I'm terrible at night. I really, I'm, you can, my wife is a testament to me. I, I don't, I, my eyes are bad, so I don't see well at night. I, I get disorientated. I, I, so if you had to lock me in a house with all the lights off, I, it's not a good space for me uh, to be in. I would want to switch the lights on. You kind of want to, you want to get light in as quickly as you can. And I think sometimes we like that in, in dark situations. When we're in a, uh, bad relationship or in a workplace environment that's toxic or whatever it is, we feel like, yo, I just need to, what would Gabe say in this time, or to kind of just to look for inspiration or look for where's the light coming through, like I need light, I need to open a window, but this is, I think, what Paul is encouraging us here is that we need to live as children of light, that you are, you are that light in that situation, in that environment, because you are there means that there's light there. 
I feel like even with, in my life in corporate, um, I don't see any, any Sea Harvest employees here, um, but it's, it's, a tough, it's a tough place to work. It's tough being out there, and there's no, there's no give. There's no checking in how you're doing, how you're feeling, and you can sometimes feel so desperate, you know, just for, for a community and for people that care for you and asking how you're doing. But if you actually, something needs to settle in that you, because you are there, working at that company, at that place, wherever you are, you are that, you are carrying the light in that company. And it's just, maybe it's just a bit of a, a change in thinking of what that looks like. Um, and then 5 verse 9, it says, For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good, that is good and right and true. And just, uh, it's just there's comfort for me there too, is that as we live as children of light, we will bear fruit. We will. It's not something we need to manufacture. I think sometimes we, we can get caught up in this almost a bit of striving to like we need to manufacture fruit in our life. I think what the promise here in the scripture is that as we live in that way, fruit will appear. We had a peach tree at our house. I, I enjoy, enjoy my peaches. Um, I can eat a lot of fruit. Um, Amy gets a bit upset with me because she buys the expensive fruit and it disappears in a few hours. Um, but but where I am back home is we, we had a peach tree that would, every year we would know there would be fruit. There would be enough peaches to go around. There was, actually, they would just fall on the floor and actually get fraught because there were just too many to go around. And that's, if I look at my life, that's, that's what I would like, is to be bearing fruit in the right season. And the Scripture talks so often through that about abiding in Christ and bearing fruit in season. So then what does that what does that look like? What does living as children of light look like? And I just want to touch on just two points. There's probably many aspects to that, but just two points that I've dealt with in, um, in this verse specifically. Firstly, let's, let's have eternal words in, in what, we, what we use. Just five, chapter 5, verse 34 says, Though some tongues just love the taste of gossip, those who follow Jesus have better uses for language than that. Don't talk dirty or silly. That kind of talk doesn't fit our style. Thanksgiving is our dialect. Um, yeah, growing up in our house too, there were some there were some things you couldn't you weren't allowed to say. Some things you couldn't say. Like we weren't allowed to use the S word. Just I mean, it's just one of those things that was forbidden. And my sister, she would know. She would kind of she would she would work me, you know. And then I would just say, oh, just just shut up. And then. You guys thought it was shut up, hey? Yeah, yeah. And then she would just say, look, just, and then, and she would then run to dad and say, dad, he said the S word. And then we would have a talking to him. My dad would sit us down and say, we don't use that word in our house. My son beat me and we would move on, you know. But, um, but that's, <laughs> as we do. But that's, but that's true. And there is a, there is a issue around, around family rules. Not, maybe rules is the wrong word. But just, I think what the scripture calls us to is, realization of our adoption in Jesus, through Jesus, to God's family, and that we live differently as, as a result of that. I mean, I would really challenged, um, as we just got married, we, we, got fall, we fell into this unhealthy, and it really wasn't a good habit, of leaving a party or a get-together or a group of friends, and as we left, we would, we would have our say. You know, you know what I mean? We would, we would kind of go through who was at the party, who was there, kind of just... And it was just basically issuing our judgment on each person. Just like, I don't know, this person's struggling, this person's doing that. And it, and it really wasn't actually, a, it wasn't a good space to be in. Our words had power in, even in our lives. And just what we, the, we flipped that on its head to say, every time we leave somewhere, church, life group, 
going out with friends, whatever it is, we talk about the good things in people that we see there. We talk about what we appreciate about the people in our lives. We talk about the good laughs that we had, not those awkward moments or whatever it is. And, just, and that really, it's been liberating for us. It really has. And I, I just want to encourage you too by, by actually not verbalizing things. Something changes in your heart. And, and in all honesty, when we're in a room now, we, we feel less judged. It's, it's funny how that flips around. Hey? When, because you are, are judging others less, you yourself feel less judged. So just, just a, a word of encouragement there. Um, and so eternal words. Eternal words, too, on social media. I mean, just to be very real and honest, what are we engaging with on social media? If, if somebody had to see your social media post, would they see you as a child of light, as, a, as God's child? We need to, what are we sharing? What are we engaging with? What, are we, what, are we, what content are we engaging with? I think it's important that in all areas of our life, in all words that we use and we engage with, we represent Jesus as children of light. And then finally, just eternal actions. And this is, it is, it's a high bar. And I think Paul is calling us to something, something countercultural and something shocking and something that is so against the way that our culture operates at the moment. It says 5 verse 3, but fornication and purity of any kind or greed must not even be mentioned among you. And they say not even a hint. And just, we can also get stuck in that thing of, of right and wrong. You know, what, what is, are we doing something, is it wrong or is it right? And as long as we're not, we're not wrong, we, we are okay, you know? And even I can be dishonest to somebody just because I'm trying to protect them. You know, we justify ourselves. And I, I just really think in, in all of our actions, we need to set that, that bar higher than what, what we sometimes let ourselves to. As children of the light, we need to ourselves set that at a different standard. And that was the issue in the church back then. The Gentiles, because of their insecurity of knowing God as the Father, they themselves went back and went into went back towards their own own way of doing things, their own lifestyle. And that's that's what settles. As we settle our understanding of God, who He is, that He sent Jesus to die for each of us, things fall into place. As we live as children of the life, our our things move in our lives and they should move. And if they're not moving, we need, to, we need to actually ask the hard question of, do I understand what Jesus has done for me? Do I understand the God, the Father, and His love and His care for me? So I think there's some, some very important points that we need to just dwell on and consider. And then finally, um, Gabe said this, this cannot be spoken in a mild and meek tone. This, this last scripture, I'll put it on the screen. I'm not, I'm not a shouting guy at church, so I'm going to maybe let Gabe shout it at the end. But it's just, it says, um, sleeper awake. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Sleeper awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And that sleeper there, actually what that sleeper refers to is Christians that have fallen asleep. They've fallen asleep. They've had their eyes on the wrong things. They haven't had their eyes on Jesus. They haven't had their eyes on God the Father. And because of that, they have fallen asleep. And this, there was this teaching at the time that we can, we can be accepted into God's family and our lives don't need to look any different. And they do. They do. We are called to a different, to a different standard. We are called to live a life worthy of the calling. It speaks to that in Ephesians. Live as children of the light. And I just want to maybe just touch on two points where maybe we can feel like this would be relevant to you. I think, first of all, just that feeling of disqualification. If at times in your life 
or maybe presently you feel disqualified, feel disqualified. You feel disqualified in the relationship that you're in, maybe, in a relationship that's ended. Maybe there's been professional failures. Maybe you just, you can't find work. You feel disqualified from a, that perspective. And I really strongly feel like the Lord wants to, wants to put his stamp of approval on us tonight to say that you are accepted into God's family. You are qualified. You are qualified for where we are. And secondly, just that point of living as children of light. I think there's a charge, there's a charge there for us to say, let's, let's step it up. Let's step it up into what God's called us to. If we, wherever we step into, whatever environment, whatever workplace situation, come as children of light, that you bring the light into those situations. And I honestly believe that as we wake up, rise from the dead, Christ will shine on us. I wonder if we could stand. I'm going to read, just read that scripture again, and then I'm going to hand over to Gabe to take us just through a time of prayer. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But fornication and impurity of any kind or greed must not even be mentioned among you as is proper among the saints. Entirely out of place is obscene, silly, and vulgar talk, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Be sure of this, that no fornicator or impure person or one who is greedy, that is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes to those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be associated with them. For once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what such people do secretly. But everything that is exposed by the light becomes visible, for everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, sleeper awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Wow, I think that was phenomenal. So, so helpful. A story that I related as I was thinking as Scott was preaching was uh, about a year and a bit ago, I had my wisdom teeth removed. My wife gave me some heavy painkillers to help uh, sedate me from there. After that, I'm a, I'm a wimp. But those painkillers were, had a, a side effect of putting me into a deep sleep that night. It was like I was out of it. I was loopy. I was saying strange things. I was, it was just, you couldn't, I was, I was like the, the sleeping dead there. You couldn't get me awake. And uh, I can tell you which pills there are later if you're struggling to sleep. I can help you. Um, but that's the sidebar. But, but it was the incredible thing. No matter what happened in the night, it was just I was, the night was a blur. It was gone. Because it was just I was out. And I'm a light sleeper at the best of times. But this was, you just felt, you know the feeling. You've had that feeling where you're just like, oh, what the heck is going on? But my wife is unrelenting. And when you've got little kids, you don't get to sleep in. And just, uh, you don't get to have those side effects just wear off slowly. It's dramatic. My wife is, open those curtains. Fling them wide. It's the alarm clock goes off. The baby is crying and it's dramatic. It, is, it's, it's, it pulls you out of your slumber at a rapid rate and you have to get going fast. Stumbling, hitting my head into the door, trying to find the bathroom, trying to find the light switch, just trying to find my head. It's crazy, but you know, you've got to go. And I think that's what Scott's done for us tonight. I think that we have become quite a slumbering people. I'm not speaking maybe personally, but I think looking at the church worldwide and maybe actually personally in this room as well, 
is that I think a lot of Christians have, are sleepwalking through their lives. They're allowing, are we allowing our identity to become politics? We're allowing our identity to be our preferences? What we think? Whether it's vaccination or anti-vax, it's like that is what's gonna define me. I'm not gonna say anything on either side of them, I'm saying, but that doesn't define you. Your prejudice, this is what I like. Your preference, your personality, I'm just a X, Y, Z. I'm just an up person, I'm just a down person. No, 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 the scriptures read is no, you are a child of light. That is who you are. What this scripture has done is, is it's flung wide the curtains. The alarm clock has gone off as Scott landed that text. This is how Paul, Apostle Paul, there's an exclamation there. That's why I said, Awake, O sleeper! Rise from the dead! And Christ will shine upon you. It's an alarm clock. It, it should be jolting. It should shift us. It should wake us. And, and, and what I want to give us as we land, wake up and then walk. There's a job to be done. There's babies crying. For this metaphor, there's, there's work to be done. There's, there's, it's not a sleepy time. No, no, there's a world that's wanting the church. Dark, a dark, depraved world that's needing the children of light to shine. So I'll say right now, let's put aside our deeds of darkness. Let's put aside the things that have been dumbing us down. Let's put aside the drugs, the, 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 the things that are making us diluted with the power of God. Let's put them aside and let's wake up and walk as children of light. If you, like me, have had that alarm clock go off in your heart a little bit this evening by the Word of God, let's respond with faith because the Bible says that the Word comes by hearing, but now we have to obey. We have to mix it with faith. So if you need to mix this Word with faith, I need to. I need to. You need to. If you're comfortable, let's lift our hands. I pray, Spirit of the living God, I thank you for your Word, your eternal Word that comes and breaks through into our here and now and awakens us from our slumber. It flings wide the curtains. It opens up and exposes the deeds of darkness and depravity and dumbed down living in our hearts. But it doesn't just expose us. It says, I want to awaken you to who you truly are. That is not who you are. You are not a depressive. You're not an addict. You're not a, a divorced person. You're not a broken person. You're not a, a person de described by your political agenda, your sexuality. No, no, no. You are a child of light. And that word comes from heaven to our earth right now, to our humanity. I thank you, Father God, would we hear that alarm clock going off? And I pray, by the Spirit of the living God, would we not press snooze? Don't let this moment go past. Don't let another moment, don't press snooze. Snooze on the Word of God. The Word of God comes looking for fruit. And I thank you, Father God, as we wake up and start to walk, live as children of the light. I thank you, Father, as this Word said, fruit will come. Might not feel like it, but we don't live by feelings. We live by faith faith in the Word of God. So I thank you, Father God, as these hands are raised, as hearts are open, you are unleashing an army upon the city. You are unleashing business owners, scholars, employees, singles, datings, married. You're releasing an army of people who say, I am a child of the light. Darkness, take cover. Thank you, Father God. We receive this Word, and now we walk it out. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.